SD cards are, it's, 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 a, it's hard because like the cheaper brands are obviously they're cheaper for a reason and they probably won't last as long. But when you're talking about like name brand solid SD cards like SanDisk, they're going to give you a good lifespan, but they're, 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 it's still a type of flash memory, meaning it's got a lifespan and only so many zeros and ones can be written to it. It's actually a lot less than like a mechanical hard drive. So, I mean, you can Google this depending on how many, how big your SD card is, but I wouldn't write to like say 120 gigabyte um, memory card more than maybe two terabytes of data. Welcome to the Wedding Video Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Santiago, and it's episode 13, which means it doesn't really mean anything. Well, Okay, I'm Googling it right now, and 13 is a number that is often considered unlucky. Ugh. Well, have no fear, because Colby Novak is here, and he's talking about SD cards, backing up your shit, and the ultimate solution for file storage, NAS. So, you know, lucky you. Don't hit delete on your old files yet, because you might learn something from this episode that I should have called... didn't gain the nickname King of Lightning for nothing. He graduated in 2015 from the Art Institute of Houston with a Bachelor of Arts degree in cinematography. He is an award-winning photographer and videographer and has been published by numerous websites and magazines. He developed his style learning from one of the best photography companies in the world, SLR Lounge. He became known for his signature look in the wedding community by the age of 22. Colby has shot wedding and educational material in places such as Iceland, Mexico, and throughout the United States. So let's welcome Colby Novak. Hey, Colby. How is it going? It's going good. How are you on this uh, wonderful Monday? It's pretty chill and relaxed. And uh, the, the sun came out here in California, so I'm happy because it's been raining. Oh, I'm over here on the, on the other side of the world or other side of the country in Charlotte. It's been raining all day. It, it was sunny in Florida yesterday, but that was about it. Oh, man. Yeah. I think it's going to rain again in like a couple of days and California needs it. So I'm happy. I, I, I've never – I've been to California so many times. I don't think it's ever rained on me over there. But. Yeah. It rains here like – Maybe like three years ago, it rained like three times, but now it's been constantly raining and it's kind of good because it's everything's so green now. I feel like I'm in, I'm, I feel like I'm actually in the East Coast. I know, right? Well, I guess the plants over there still need water too. They don't just live oh, yeah. off sunshine. Yeah, not just the cactuses and the succulents. <laughs> that, that's Texas though. Texas is all about cactuses. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all so... Right. I I want to thank you first for mm-hmm. guesting here. I really appreciate it because this has been like a very big issue for me and I'm pretty sure for the for the listeners out there. Yeah, that's no why I invited you. And so just so the listeners would get a, a great background of who you are, do you mm-hmm. mind telling us how you started and what got you into what you're doing right now? Um, well, currently I am a producer for the National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing or what the rednecks call NASCAR. I'm here based in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, and uh, shot weddings for 10 years, got started. One of my, I was in college, and a friend of a friend was a wedding guy, and we had lunch together. He wanted to have lunch with me because I had a red, and that was cool back then, and then we became buddies, and 
I fell into the wedding world by chance, and I kind of liked it for for a long time just because I got to be independent. But I actually never pictured myself being a business owner. And then as time went on, bigger and better clients came along. And then I've always have been a motorsports guy and wanted to do racing. So I finally figured out a way to put my passion for filming into motorsports. So it's like I get to go to the racetrack every day and film, which is what I want to do. But yeah, I've been in the filming world for 10 years now. And it's getting better and better every day. Sweet. And I'm uh-huh. assuming that's how you got this extensive knowledge in the storage area. Yeah, actually, actually, I'm addicted to education. I love watching new things. I'm a tech nerd. Actually, I learned a lot of it from watching YouTube stuff. Actually, I met I met at NAB. Oh God, when was it? It was like five five or six years ago, I think. I, I met uh, uh, the crew from Linus Tech Tips and didn't know who they were. And I met them from for something because I, I I recognized the face, but I didn't really know who they were. And I started watching their stuff, and then that's how I actually learned a lot of those like stuff that I know now, and then just through my own research and meeting people. But it all got started from meeting a YouTube guy in, at uh, NAB here, I don't know, five or six years ago. So it's you, weird. weird, weird world. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> you mentioned that your first camera was a red, right? No, no that wasn't the first camera. Oh, that's okay. What the, um, no, my first camera was. I don't even know what it was. Some tape camera in high school, but no, no, no. And um, so I'm, my my dad's a big business person, and I knew back in the day that if I wanted to make it big in the film world really quick, I needed something to differentiate myself. And red back then was just it was a new thing. 4K was the new thing, and red was the only 4K camera out there. Why well, I saw the Scarlet was only like twenty five thousand bucks, which yes, it's a lot. But I came up with a plan on how to get it. And saved up my money for, I think, a year and did a lot of side jobs and just anything and everything. Had no life and then bought it uh, right when I graduated high school. And then I was like one of the only guys in Houston that had one. So that's just where it all kind of exploded. Now, I wasn't even that good. They just wanted me because I had the camera. And then now it's harder to do that now because reds are so accessible and they're not really all the gears too good. But back in the day, that's how it how it happened. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned you had no life because when I was starting out, for me to be able to buy a, a computer and these camera equipments, I literally did not leave the house. Oh, yeah, you got to hustle. so I could save money and just work. You got to hustle. Yeah, no, I got started actually when Thumbtack was cool, um, like when it was cheaper and actually worked. There wasn't any fake leads on there. That, that's how the wedding business actually like kicked off. Like I actually got tons of clients through thumbtack a long long time ago right when they were actually think they're brand new i think oh, I, I remember i remember i remember when they like were not new new but they were just getting starting to get traffic and stuff so yeah i remember i remember, I remember they emailed me like we want to feature you i'm like who who are you guys? oh yeah i remember that i remember that yeah and i think they did want to mean they actually wrote it I, th- I actually think i might have a screenshot of that somewhere in, nice. in my files i probably do i'd have to dig it out now <laughs> so okay <laughs> So I mm-hmm. want to ask you first, I guess, let's go small first. Yeah. And I want to ask you about the the memory cards that mm-hmm. people use. Because we mm-hmm. I shoot with Canons and yep. we use a lot of SD cards. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you, like, what your advice is with SD cards? Is there a certain lifespan for SD cards or the brand? Does it really matter for, mm-hmm. for SD cards? And when is the right time to buy new ones? SD cards are it's 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 a it's hard because like the cheaper brands are obviously they're cheaper for a reason 
and they probably won't last as long. But when you're talking about like name brand solid SD cards like SanDisk, um, they're going to give you a good lifespan, but they're they there's it's still a type of flash memory, meaning it's got a lifespan, and only so many zeros and ones can be written to it. It's actually a lot less than a, like a mechanical hard drive. So I mean. You can Google this depending on how many how big your SD card is, but I wouldn't write to like say 128 gigabyte SSD or 128 gigabyte um, memory card more than maybe two terabytes of data. So once, say for instance, you shoot, you fill up that card one time, then you can only fill up that card like maybe 30 more times or so, depending on how big the files are, how much you're dumping, how much, like how you're reading it, all that good stuff, but once once a memory card like they're the way it physically works it, which i won't get into because it's really complicated but once the the ones and zeros and the electrons and all that good stuff inside the memory itself start to break down it won't necessarily corrupt all the files but you'll see one or two that are corrupted i see people all the time they they see on their memory card one file was corrupted out of like a thousand well there's that some electrons or there's there's some type of breach in that and that SD card that's not quite right. So if you ever have a corrupt file on your SD card that's from the SD card, not the camera, it's time to replace it because it's starting to break down. SD cards have probably gotten a lot better since a long time ago because that's just when I um, when I was shooting, I always did like the two to three terabyte rule. But now like I'm shooting all on SSDs, so it's a different rule. And I haven't had any issues with SD cards in a long time, um, but... I wouldn't I wouldn't shoot on an SD card for a whole year if you're shooting every weekend. I would definitely replace them every six months if you're constantly filling them up with like, you know, big data and stuff. Or actually or little bitty tiny data packets are worse than large video clips. So it depends on what you're using it for, but if it's a camera, like a, a shooting a wedding, um, and you're shooting like on a 120 gigabyte SD card, because that's what the Sony's take to do the 4K internally, um, I'd shoot on it probably for three, two to three terabytes worth of data um, if you're doing like small little clips, but if you're doing big clips then you can get more life out of it. So, um, just, so it just depends. is it true when they say that it's safer to format the card from the camera instead of? It doesn't matter because when you're formatting a camera you're, or formatting an SD card, you're just, you're just deleting the directory that points to where every file is you're actually not deleting anything that's why you can recover data off of sd cards that have been formatted in quotation marks um so really i mean it doesn't matter they're both doing the same thing they're just deleting that directory um of the files themselves and what actually deletes the footage is actually overwriting it um you're not actually that's the same thing with a computer it's you're not actually deleting the files you're actually just deleting the directory that points to the file okay. and then you're just overwriting it so doesn't matter you can do it in camera or on the computer um what makes it in camera faster usually is because the processor is dedicated to do that on that one and only job versus on a computer it's kind of a, a multi-tool that makes sense but mm -hmm. either one works so you said 128 gigabyte flash drive don't go over two terabytes right of data if if it's consistent so yeah. like if you're doing that and you're constantly like beating that thing every week and that's including your insertions, like, because people insert and, you know, they click it and they pop it in, they pop it out. That's including that whatever, that the wear and tear on that SD card, because there's nothing else worse than the card itself. The data is fine, but the actual card's cracked and can't be read. So now you got to send it off 
to for somebody to just physically put back together. So that's that in, that includes the actual wear and tear of the SD card of inserting it in and out. Um, but usually a good rule if you want to be really safe is two to three terabytes. That's when I shot right um, back in um, 2016-ish. SD cards have probably gotten a lot better, so you could probably do more these days. But when I was shooting heavily full-time uh, back in 2016, it was usually like two two terabytes, two to three terabytes of data. Okay. Per, 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 high, per one high-end card. Now, if it's a lower card, then... You might get less before you start getting an error or like getting a random miscorrupted file. It just depends, but better to be safe than sorry and just think, use common sense when you're, when you're using an SD card, especially if you're on a Sony that only has one SD card slot. <laughs> For Canon too, we only have one SD card slot. Yeah. We can't really do a dual card slot recording. Yeah. I do 16 gigabyte cards. When I shoot weddings, I have four 16 gigabyte cards. That's and smart, I, too. And I split it. We've had cards that fail on us before, and we mm -hmm. couldn't recover the footage anymore. Yeah. And it was a nightmare. And oh, so, yeah, no, I, I know. So that's why I'm like, okay, during prep, let's do 16 gigabytes, and then you switch before ceremony. So far, it's been good, knock on wood. But And that's that's a smart that's a smart idea, actually. One of my old business partners, um, she, she would do that, and then she would also keep the SD card like the physical SD card, even though she already had all the files on our server, she would keep that SD card full of that client's photos or video until she delivered the product, which... That's exactly uh, what I do. Yeah, so it's, it's that's smart, but also kind of dumb at the same time. Like, you have all this <laughs> SD card expense. I'm like, our oh, yeah. server backs up everything. Like, it literally does the job that you're doing. But, hey, that's that's cool. You do you. If that's what you want to do to keep your data safe, at least you're keeping it safe. That's like the important thing. Yeah, I'm like very old school. I kind of want to make sure that I have a physical thing that I'm holding. And yeah, uh -huh. that's that's what we do. We never delete anything until they get the footage. So I told her just to go get a couple flash drives and like they're cheaper and just put all the stuff on that flash drive. If you have to have it on your person, just go do that versus because those SD cards aren't cheap. Yeah. Uh, but that's what she wanted to do. So we bought her the compact flash cards. It kept her happy, and that's all that mattered. So actually, whatever whatever you need to do. Actually, I bought uh, those, the USB drives, right? I did that before. I saved those files in an USB drive, mm -hmm. and then we format the USB drives to XFAT. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, it just stopped working. Like every single USB drive, it just stopped working, the small one. So I'm like, what what's going on? Like, are you on a, are you on a Mac or a PC or what? Both. Well, XFAT's so weird. It's like a, it's a weird standard. NTFS is usually the standard between both. Um, okay. But I, it could be a very, it could be ten thousand different things. What was wrong with it? Um, like if you're, you know, FAT thirty two or XFAT or uh, it just it depends. So okay. I mean, there, usually there's not problems if you format it with NTFS or, or whatever the protocol is. NTFS or NFT or what? I think it's NTFS. So N what? NTFS is better than. Uh, it's not that it's necessarily it's better. It's just universal. Okay, um, gotcha. Between Mac and PC. Okay. Since we already talked about the SD cards, now I, mm -hmm. I kind of want to talk about the way... I want to give you how I do my backups first. Go for it. Just so you could understand. So whenever we do shoots, after we do shoots, I upload files to a mother drive, which is a 10 terabyte Western mm -hmm. digital drive, which I bought for mm -hmm. like $180 or something. Okay. And then afterwards, I have small four terabyte drives that are external, and I transfer mm -hmm. it back to those drives for the editors. 
So the mother drive isn't being touched, and then the mm -hmm. editors have their own drives. And then I have a separate 10 terabyte drive in my house. Uh -huh. It's just here, just to be safe, just in case something happens, you know? Yeah. And then I still have the SD cards. Now, yeah. my question is, my entire office, it's like a bookstore, but with hard drives. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, I got you. I got so, you. So that's why I wanted to ask you about, what do you think about, using external drives first for just to back up your your files what do you think about that is that like a safe way to do it um it depends on what you're doing if, if you're a single man operation using just an external drive is totally cool and they have a they have a long lifespan too so there's really no need to have anything else so like for instance if you were a one-man band You'd have two two hard drives. You would have your 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 main drive, and then have like an offsite backup. So every day, which I actually used to do this when I was young, I had my external editing drive, and then I had a piece of software that would just mirror it at the end of the day. So basically, it was a copy of that that mother one, but it wouldn't delete anything. It only it would only add files. So if there was a new file created, it would add it, but it wouldn't delete any files if I deleted off of my main drive. If that makes sense. So with the 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 backup drive would fill up faster than the main one, but I never lost any footage that way. But if you've got a bunch of editors like you, having some type of central storage unit like a NAS would actually benefit you in 10,000 different ways because, for one, it's going to help you on cost because you don't have to buy 10,000 external hard drives. All you have to do is pop one hard drive into the to the system and it just automatically adds it, basically. And you can access it anywhere if you set it up right um, and then also you could basically have a duplicate machine doing just nightly backups and you could even have that off-site and it could actually even be cloud services like uh, Amazon Web Services they have big um, storage servers I guess in California somewhere anyway you can pay per month a lot cheaper I mean it's not cheap but it's cheaper than using like Google Drive or something actually I think Google Drive actually got a lot more competitive now but you can store a bunch of your um, like main projects on there. So like just not your RAWs or anything. That that would get really expensive really quick. But like your deliverables, like all the stuff you gave your client, you could store there. But it, it, it's per person and how big their operation is. But even if you're a one-man band, a NAS would actually make it a lot better if you have multiple computers. Because then, say for instance, like I've got a – I live – I got a roommate now because I just moved to, to Charlotte. So – um, I actually have a central little NAS box in my room and it's got all my client stuff that I need to work on. It's got all my movies that I like my movie, um, I guess storage, like where all my movies are, I keep, and it's got a bunch of other files and I've got multiple laptops and computers and all those computers and actually even my cell phone, we can all access that mother like NAS. So like when I want to stream movies, I just open up this app on my phone and it will stream movies off my server. Or if I need to edit a wedding video, for instance, I can go on my Mac or my PC and hit that server and edit straight off the server. And it's super easy. I actually do, I actually do it wirelessly all over Wi-Fi. So right now I could open up a, a wedding film that's on that server and I don't even have to have a hard drive hooked up to it. I could do it literally sitting on the toilet. So wow. it's like it's that easy. Okay. Before we get into the NAS, uh -huh. I forgot to tell you that also, the computer that the mother drive is on, it has mm -hmm. a cloud backup, which is – I use Backblaze. I don't know if you are familiar with – I am not. Okay. So Backblaze, it's just like constantly backing up your files. And then mm -hmm. the problem with that is – at least for me, the problem with that is 
if I need to access it from somewhere else, I can't unless can't. I demand the whole download of the 10 terabytes. Yeah, I got you. So, so now that you're talking about the NAS, let's start with just so to people who don't know what NAS is, can sure. you explain it like the beginning, like how to put gotcha. it together? And Okay. So uh, what a NAS is, it stands for Network Attached Storage Device. So all it is is basically, it's actually a computer. So like, for instance, I've got a 20 terabyte NAS that just sits underneath my bed right now. It's got a motherboard, a CPU, it's got RAM, and it's also got a 10 gigabit NIC or a network card that's in it. Actually, you can turn a, a junk computer. If you've got like an old Dell sitting around, that's a perfect little box for a NAS. And all it is... It's a basic computer, like I said, motherboard, CPU, all that good stuff, and it's just got a bunch of hard drives hooked up to it. And then I run what's called Unraid, which puts, basically, it puts all those drives, it configures them into one, like it, it makes the computer see it as one drive, and it just puts it on the server, or I mean, it puts it on the network, so any computer that is physically connected or wirelessly connected to a local network can see that server and see what's on it unless you encrypt it and stuff but most people won't do that if it's just on a local network mm -hmm. but all an as is is just a computer with hard drives in it that's that's as basic as it can be i have uh towers in my office that i don't use anymore can i use mm -hmm. those you, you you most certainly can all i have to have oh. is a processor some ram and then well it depends so let, let's let's back up a little bit it depends on how many hard drives how much storage you need so Say, for instance, internally, those only have like four SATA ports for drives. So a SATA port is the actual port that a hard drive plugs into. If it's only got four of those on there, then you can only plug up four hard drives to it unless you add like a PCI Express expansion card, which will take up one of your PCI Express like slots on the board. So it depends on what machine you got. But if you're talking like a single one-man band, you want to put two 10 terabyte drives on, on the network, that should totally work. But if you're like me and I had 200 terabytes, I need like 10 drives. That's a more of a specialty thing, but it still can be done relatively cheap. Okay. So I guess if you could tell us, because I, whenever I go to online, like Google or Amazon mm -hmm. and I type in NAS, there's like a bunch of just all of these pre-built stuff, pre-built stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they don't have any drives in it yet. Correct? Yes, Correct. Okay. Yes. So for for example, for me, we've been in the business for almost nine years. I was thinking of having one internal drive per year. Is that possible mm -hmm. to have like, and then just remove it when it's done and then replace it with a new one? Is that so, so that's not the smart way to do it. So what okay. those little, <laughs> little boxes, so what those little boxes do, so usually you buy a dual, the most common one's a dual NAS and what it is, it's a backup. Have you ever heard of RAID? Do you know what RAID is? Yes. So all it is is putting it like in a RAID 1. Um, so it's basically mirroring the drive. So you, it's basically backing up drive number one on drive number two. So if you buy a two-disc NAS box that's on Amazon and you put two 10-terabyte drives in there, you're only going to get 10 terabytes of storage because it's using the other drive as a backup. It's automatically backing it up for you. And say, for instance, if you lose drive number one, It'll just switch to drive number two and it'll let you know that drive number one failed, but you'll never have any downtime. Like you actually won't have to replace, like somebody else can still keep editing while you replace the drive, if that makes sense. Um, it's not a smart way to do it because then once you fill up the 10 terabytes, then you're kind of SOL. 
Um, Because then you got to take out that drive and then you're going to lose all the data that was on there. So if you're like me, um, and I had a 200 terabyte NAS. It didn't start out that way. It started out as like 20 terabytes and then I just kept adding in hard drives, but we kept all the data on, like we never deleted anything. We just kept, we just kept expanding and expanding and expanding. Cause if you, if you plan it out right and you plan for expansion, you can buy a, a, a simple NAS, like a, like a computer. And then you can just keep on adding what's called a PCI express expansion card and just keep adding on hard drives until you max out like at 60 or 70 hard drives. But if you've got that much data, then there's other solutions for that. But for a wedding guy, 200 terabytes should probably be more than enough for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I could have like a four bay NAS, right? And True. Then- and then you, you could, what you could do is you could put four 10 terabyte drives in there and then effectively get 20, 20. out of it. Okay. So mm-hmm. I could have, cause also have one drive, one 10 terabyte drive, of all my personal files in there, like the photos yeah. that we have, because I don't really pay for like cloud storage for Apple. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. actually literally just upload it to the drive and then it's being backblazed. Yeah. So having two of those, one personal and then one for work, and it's like all 40 terabytes. Technically, it's 20 terabytes, right? So if you if you got the four bay, now if you've got four drives, you could actually run a different to- uh, type of RAID. You could run like a RAID 5 and get... I think 30 out of it, but it depends. It just depends. But what's, what sucks about those pre-built systems is they run their own proprietary operating system. And then you're stuck using that interface and that may be good or bad. Like people buy Drobos and people swear by the Drobo stuff, which I've used like once and I wasn't impressed because it just didn't give me what I wanted. And I couldn't expand. It's like buying basically like buying a Mac. You can't expand it very well. Like it's, once you fill it up, it's just like an, it's just like a hard drive. Once you fill it up, you're kind of done and you got to replace whatever's inside. If you go like a custom NAS box, not only is it cheaper, but it's also more expandable and there's more options and tons of more different fun things you can do with a, a one that you build yourself versus a pre-bought. Now, but if you're not the person that wants to build a computer, then a pre-bought system is really good you can really do a lot of stuff with it especially if you've got a, like a small team like you've got and then you consolidate your data wisely but if you're like me and, I, and you're a, a data pack rat that likes to keep anything and everything just in case you might need it um then a more custom route is the way to go plus like i said the custom is usually cheaper okay. but it depends depends on what your depends on what your use is Okay, so just to be clear, since I have a production office in yeah. the back, so if I have a NAS, 40 terabytes, right? 10 yep. for 24 for personal and then 24 work. And yep. then I have other computers like Macs and PCs around my production. Instead yep. of plugging in a hard drive to their drive, as long as they're connected to the internet, to the network, they could just grab the footage from there and then start Cor- editing? Correct, yeah. So actually a couple wow. of people that have ordered these NASs from, from me, I, they asked me what kind of um, like router they should get, um, and if you want, say, if you, for instance, if you wanted to edit wirelessly, like you could edit 4K video wirelessly on your laptop um, from a NAS, and all you have to do is all you have to do is have a, a good internet or not a good internet connection, but a good connection to the um, to the server via whatever router you get. Mm-hmm. Um, so doesn't matter or, if it's wireless or wired. wired. 
Uh, it depends. Like the wireless stuff has come a long way. Mm. If you're you can't edit red footage or yeah. RE Alexa footage or any kind of ProRes footage wirelessly, but you could do like some Sony 4K or like the GH5. Well, and then the GH5 is pushing it. Um, you could do anything up to like 100 megabits per second. You could okay. like if the max bit rate of that video file is about 100 megabits per second. You could edit that with no problem off of the network. Wow. Wirelessly. So, but if you did it wired, you could do red footage wired, like no problem. Wow. So it's because um, we we only shoot HD because, yeah. you know, just weddings. So we, we don't really shoot 4K. So mm -hmm. we could do that wirelessly. Oh, yeah. Right? No problem. Like wow. that, that you could. You, well, on the Drobos, I don't know what kind of connection they have. I think they've only got gigabit connection, which is going to be a thousand megabits per second. That's the bandwidth you have. So if you've got six editors hitting that server at the same time, you've got to split that bandwidth. You've got to split basically a thousand by six. So then that is, I don't even know what, how many megabits it is per second, but that limits you. So the good thing about doing a, a custom NAS is you can put a 10 gigabit network card, mm. which gives you a gigabyte per second of bandwidth. So meaning you could have six editors hit that NAS at the same time and you, would, you wouldn't wow. even have a bottleneck. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's cool. Man, this is just because this is the first I've heard of it. So I, I haven't even like yeah. read about it because I wanted to get it from you, like just so you could explain it to me. Oh, it's so cool. Like right now I'm working on a project for FS1 right now. and I'm literally working off of a server that's located 30 miles away from me in downtown. And I'm just working it, working on it over the network. It's wow. it's easy, and it's, I mean, again, they've got the enterprise grade good stuff, but it's still possible. They just got the big version of what we're talking about. So, for those of us who aren't computer savvy, mm -hmm. I think that's the issue. Is setup easy? Like, how are people who don't know how to really uh, Do work? It. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I did a whole tutorial on it for that reason, and I actually have it on YouTube. I can send you a link, and I actually walk you through. On, I walk you through on how to install the motherboard, plug everything in, and set up Unraid because it's actually an OS you have to install. Mm -hmm. Like I walk you through everything, and it'll basically get you set up for a local a local connection. Now, if you wanted to do it where you can access it from home, that's something that's different, and it's something that's a per case basis. But if you're talking about something where you just want to work off the local network, I actually have a video um, that I did a couple years ago. I'll, I'll send you that link here when we're done. Okay, cool. Thank you. If ever I need to outsource something, like if I do a corporate gig and my guys who edit the wedding yeah. videos, they can't do it. I just have someone from, for example, like from where you are, access it from the server and they could access the files. Yeah. So if you, you could, it's called a like an FTP protocol, file transfer protocol. And if you set that up, um, you can basically give them like a login to it and they use their credentials. They log in and they can either drag footage onto the server. So say if they shot something for you and you need to edit it, they could do it that way. Or if they need to pull stuff from it, they, it's the same thing. They just log in with their credentials and they should be able to see whatever folders you designated for them. So for instance, we did this all the time. We had a server, you know, we had my 200 terabyte server at the office and then what we did is we had a like a partition. It was about, I think it was like six six or seven terabytes. And it was just for outsourcing. So I uh, basically locked all my other files except, um, except for those files on that seven terabyte um, partition. And then I would just share that, that partition with other people. And then they could either download the footage or upload stuff to that 
to that partition, then I could, you know, obviously, you know, sort and put all the video files where they need to go after they do the work. But yes, it's definitely possible if you outsource and it makes it a whole lot easier because then you're not using Google Drive, which is still a good option if you're outsourcing stuff. There's nothing wrong with Google Drive or Dropbox, but you're not to, you're not having to pay a subscription because yeah. a NAS is fixed. Actually, a NAS is the same thing as Google Drive. It is the exact same thing, except on a much, much, much smaller scale. Wow. Okay, this is like blowing my mind right now. It's okay. pretty cool. It's really cool. It's crazy. And so does it matter if the, the person who's going to do, I'm going to outsource to, does it matter if their internet speed is slower? So that will that will definitely affect the download, but as long as your internet connection to where the NAS is physically located, so if, as long as you've got good connection there and they have decent connection, they can download it decently now if they're working off of like an air card like a an actual like a hot spot or something uh -huh. then they're limited to the speed of that hot that hot spot but i mean if you're talking about downloading proxy files which we can get into when it comes to workflow if they're only downloading low-res proxy files that are say um two gigs max um then they should be able to download that relatively quickly like oh. maybe within 10 minutes Okay, last question about this. For example, I'm um, outsourcing different projects to different people. Once they access the NAS, is it are they going to be accessing the whole drive, or are there can you password protect the the project? Yeah, so like that's what I was saying with my partition. What you can do is you can just designate a, a section of that NAS, so like just this folder, and you can say, hey, password protect this folder, and this is where all my outsourced editors can access. So. Yeah, you can do anything on a computer. You can do anything and everything. If you if you've got a problem, literally, you can fix it. There's just you got to do the research and find it. But yeah, on, on a NAS, um, you can protect a folder or two and just give permissions to those two folders for your outsource people. They they won't be able to access any of your stuff that you want to keep private. That's cool. And then so since we've talked about the advantages of of this, I. Kind of want to see if there are risks of doing... Of course, there's probably going to be risks, right? If, um, if there's any. It, it Not really. I mean, the only thing that's going to be a deterrent for most people is the upfront startup cost. It's a lot more expensive than just buying an external drive and slapping it on, but it's way cheaper in the long run. It's um, the, really the risks... I don't think there are any. It's a, it's a whole... It's a lot better system than doing just external drives. It's a lot more convenient... Um, the only risk would be is if something does happen to it, if something breaks and you're not tech savvy enough to know how to troubleshoot, then that's where it be can come become a problem. So, for instance, um, I had actually a guy I, that I built a server for and um, his uh, his flash drive went out on it. Um, that's where the key is held. That's where like the, the authentication key is held is on a flash drive and that flash drive corrupted itself. Um, and I can't troubleshoot for him when I'm, you know, a thousand miles away. I have to leave it up to them to be able to troubleshoot and tell me what's wrong. But if you're not, if, if, if you don't know how to troubleshoot and use the Google and know what to search on, on Google, it's, it's, it might be kind of difficult, but if you're, in, if you're in the wedding business and you're in a film production person, you should be tech savvy enough to know how to Google certain problems and, and research for a little bit. It's obviously not going to fix itself, but. That's really the only problem if you actually if you actually do have something fail on you is troubleshooting. But okay. if you're if you're a film professional, you should know how to troubleshoot anyway because you're troubleshooting cameras when something doesn't work. It's the same yeah. thing except on a computer. 
Okay. And then I'm pretty sure it's it's something that other people might be able to help you with, like if you. Oh yeah, forums there's. You can, I mean, for instance, Unraid. Uh, you buy their software at sixty bucks for like five hard drives and eighty bucks for like ten, and I think a hundred bucks for like unlimited. It's a one-time purchase fee. But if you have problems, you can call them. Now they charge you per per session, so it's like I think thirty bucks for a thirty-minute session. But they will literally tap into your computer they will they'll they'll do remote access into your computer and see if they can fix it from there and then if not they'll walk you through how to troubleshoot it i mean yeah you have to pay for it but they're they're gonna fix it for you like pretty quickly because that's that's all they do they only they only operate or they only work on their software and they know how it works you know from front to back so um it's not free nothing nothing of quality is free but It they it's way way better than um, uh, Microsoft support if that says anything. It's way okay, better. that's good. The reason why I can't really get out of Adobe is because uh-huh. their customer support's good. It is. It's I've always good. had any if, if whenever I have problems, they just tap into the computer and they fix it. And yep. So I, so it's kind of like well talking about Adobe too. I remember mm-hmm. you we were talking about this about the the new the new feature which is the team. Team sharing, yeah, they've got a team sharing feature on Adobe. I'm not sure when actually when they released it. I think it's actually two years old now, um, but it's a it's a phenomenal feature to use, especially if you've got a local NAS between all your editors. Oh, it's like when we when we're doing projects for NASCAR. Actually, we just got done doing the um, the Jeff Gordon versus Dale Earnhardt documentary that was on last Thursday, and I was on that team that did that, and we used Adobe um, the team sharing feature to share that project with like 10 different people and we were all working on that project at the same time and we were all doing our own little segment and it would live update every time somebody saved a change and it's just it's literally the best thing in the world if you've got a, multiple people working on the same thing okay that's cool mm-hmm. well um i'm trying to think of any other questions i think you've covered everything mm-hmm I really appreciate that. Now it's time for whoever wants to get in touch with you and to promote. You also do a pre-built, right? For, yeah. For so I, I sell actually. If you want to, do, I don't know. Did you want to go over like just a basic workflow? So like if you're on an ads, your workflow oh, sure. is definitely going to be different. Yeah. Um, so for instance, if you're on, if what which we'll go, we'll I'll do. I'll time it. I got five minutes. Okay. Um, so what's most people that use a networked attached storage device as their main work hub? is that they put, they build a server and say, for instance, you've got six, actually, I'll, I'll build a system for you right now. We'll, we'll do hypotheticals. So you've got six guys working on a server and they're all working at the same time. You would build a NAS box that has probably 30 terabytes of storage and you would put a 10 gigabit connection onto that server. And then you would get a good router and all that. And they're all accessing at the same time. So we, we do that and then we do what's called a proxy workflow. And so and when you ingest footage, you're converting it to a proxy f- file, so a lower quality version. And then your editors are actually editing with that proxy file. That way, this helps with uh, data congestion. So if, for instance, if your, your wireless connection is not that great, it's more it's, it, you can handle a proxy file over the network a lot easier than a fat, chunky file, especially if you're shooting in ProRes, which if you're shooting on the Canon stuff, unless it's like the 5D Mark IV, um, you should be fine with the raw stuff. But like for me at, with NASCAR, we shoot mostly red and, and uh, RE stuff. So that's huge ProRes files. So we've got to convert them to a proxy file. And then once your editors are working with those proxy files and after they lock in the picture, 
then you can replace it with the uh, raw footage and then color grade and all that stuff. And the reason that the proxy files are so important is if you do take it off site. So for instance, if your editors take their laptop home, they can access the server and the proxy files a whole lot easier than they can the big fat chunky files because obviously five megabytes is easier to download than 500. So um, that's a good workflow, at least in my opinion, is to use the proxy system where editors work with proxy files, and I think it's a little more, it's more user-friendly. And even though it's a one more step when you ingest footage, it's um, it's easier for people, if you have multiple people working on projects at the same time. Now, if it's your one-man band, there's no reason for it, but if you've got multiple people, that's definitely a, um, a thing to consider. Okay, and then how do you exactly turn those into proxy? The, the so um, Adobe Media Encoder has a... Um, a feature where it's got a watch it's called a watch folder and then when you dump footage into this watch folder which you can put on your desktop or wherever or actually you can designate it to be a folder on your nas when you dump footage into that it automatically converts that into whatever file format you want and it dumps it somewhere else that you tell it to um so it's kind of like a there's like a no you don't there's no um it just does it automatically once you set it up. Adobe Media Encoder, though, does it. You can actually YouTube it on how to make proxy files with um, Adobe Media Encoder using watch folders. Okay. Man, this is just blowing my mind. <laughs> you can do a lot of cool stuff. That's This is how professionals do it. I mean, I know, I know people say, oh, we're just wedding people. But, I mean, if you ever do want to do commercial work and, and do it the right way. And, like, I, I like, I don't think we touched on this, though, but, like, a, a NAS – it runs some type of RAID, so either RAID 1, RAID 2, RAID 3, or whatever, as mm -hmm. long as it's not RAID 0. Um, that's backing, that's a not, it's not backing up your server or your, your data, but it's protecting it. And then you could do a, a backup on something else and keep it off site. But um, having some sort of RAID is way better than not having it at all. So, okay. but like I said, there's, there's 10,000 different solutions to one problem. So it just kind of depends on the individual person and what their needs are. But I would suggest anybody um, to have some type of NAS, especially if you've got more than one computer and you like sitting in bed and editing versus being at your desk. Because like I said, you can edit wirelessly um, using a NAS box, like no hard drives attached. Wow, that's crazy. Well, mm -hmm. I thank you so yeah. much for doing this. I'm pretty sure you changed someone's life today. Hopefully. And I'd love it if you would tell them how to reach you and how to get in touch with you about. Yeah, um, I used to have a website, but um, I took that down just because I, I it's hard to it's hard to run it. I, I only build servers for certain people just because I'm I'm at the racetrack every weekend with NASCAR. But they can reach me at uh, Colby at colbynovakimages.com. Um, that's my main work email. So if they just send me a, a quick email with whatever problem they got, I can usually. Um, price something that's pretty competitive with what they could buy off Amazon or whatever. And, and I could set them up and then um, we'll set them up for the first time use. And if they have any problems, they would obviously have to call some somebody or pay somebody to fix it. But I can at least get them started. So, but uh, Or I can just point them in the right direction what YouTube video to watch they could do it themselves. Because uh, building a computer is rewarding in itself. Perfect. That's how you ended. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> wow. I learned so much from Colby and I hope you did too. Backing up your files is so important, so just make sure you're covered. I'd love to know how this episode was for you, so feel free to reach out if you have any questions or suggestions. 
I'm throwing all these information goldness for free, yo. So I'd really appreciate it if you help me by subscribing, rating, or leaving a review. Thanks so much for those who already did. Thanks for listening. It means the world to me. Watch out for the next episode of the Wedding Video Boss Podcast. Till then, play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good looking. Boss man out. Thanks so much for those who already did. Thanks for listening. It means the world to me. Watch out for the next episode of the Wedding Video Boss Podcast. Till then, play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good looking. Boss man out. Boss man out.